Welcome to this Endo Life episode 88. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo warrior and endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is not here to replace your current medical treatment and is here for educational purposes only. As always, I want to thank our first sponsor today, BU. These guys are the makers of the incredible period patches that I love, and also a beautiful organic CBD range, menstrual cup, and chafing cream. And they really are one of the pioneers of natural and really quite revolutionary period care, in my opinion. I have seen these period patches change people's experience of their periods so dramatically and their experience of endometriosis so dramatically. And they are really one of the first things that I recommend to my clients if my clients are going through a flare-up or it's taken a while for their symptoms to calm down and for us to implement changes. I still want to provide my clients with something that's going to provide relief, you know, in that current moment. And I always recommend BU period patches because I just believe in them so much and they have helped me so much and they're natural and it's just when you are so commonly faced with all of these different drugs that can have side effects, um, they have their place, but sometimes you just want a more uh, side effect free option. So um, I absolutely love these patches. They've been helping me through a interstitial cystitis flare up that I've been going through recently. You can find out all about that on Instagram. and. If you want to try the BU patches for yourself, you can just head to the link in my show notes or go straight to their website, which is buonline.co.uk. So that's B-E-Y-O-U online.co.uk. If you are in the US or in Canada, you can actually also order your BU patches from Cult Beauty and they will ship to the US or to Canada. So that's cultbeauty.co.uk. Let me know how you get on with them. So I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, If you were on my Instagram yesterday or in um, my private Facebook group, you may have seen that I was doing a live with the lovely Nicole Jardim. So Nicole was on the show last time talking about how to rebalance your hormones. And we jumped on her Instagram live yesterday to talk about her new book, Fix Your Period. Nicole is one of the world's leading period experts, health coaches, and yeah, it was just so fun to have her on the show. In our conversation, we talked about why nutrition, gut health, stress management, and blood sugar are the foundations of a healthy period, and hopefully by this point, um, 88 episodes in, that is, you know, something that you guys are familiar with, um, and diving into Nicole's book is just going to reinforce that even more. Um, We talk about what stress does to our menstrual cycle. So if you have had heavier periods, more painful periods, or a missing period or late period at the moment in our weird time that we're in, you're really going to be interested in this episode and what Nicole has to say about that. Um, We talk about how blood sugar dysregulation can affect menopause. Um, That sounds like a random one, but we were answering um, questions. We had so many questions come in. I know we didn't get around to them all, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, An hour went by so quick. It was just meant to be a 20-minute interview, which is crazy. Um, We also talk about whether endo can cause hair loss and what else might be behind it. Um, That was another listener question, uh, reader question. Um, the essential nutrients of thyroid health, which I am really wanting to dive into um, in the future because I'm seeing this more and more with my clients having thyroid problems as well as endo. What hormonal imbalances often occur in people with endometriosis and how the book can actually help you with managing endometriosis and managing these hormonal imbalances that often come with endo. Um, We have so much 
we we say so much more um that's just kind of an overview it was such a fun conversation and i hope you enjoy the moment where i bitch about my mum only to find out my aunt is listening and for her to pipe in as i start bitching about my mum so um enjoy that moment and here's uh, also a heads up because i think it might just cause some confusion or conflict in your mind we briefly touch upon the subject of meat um and what we're saying in it is it really depends on what you need and what you respond to well with your body and we were talking about the studies for endometriosis like a lot of studies have linked red meat to higher risks of endometriosis but i discuss in the book in my book the kind of um strengths of these studies and the weaknesses of these studies um and dr andrew cook also discusses these studies in his book um gosh i can't remember i think it's called the take your life back the endo diet plan or something um go back to our interview go back to my interview andrew cook and you'll get the link to the book is in the show notes anyway i digress um and then we talk about another study very briefly that Dr. Jessica Drummond mentions in her book. And just so you guys know what we're referring to, that study shows that red meat can be helpful for enhancing or balancing neurotransmitters. I can't quite remember, um, which in turn helps to alleviate pain. So the kind of study in red meat and endometriosis is that I think it was a moderate amount of red meat can support neurotransmitter health and therefore pain signals um, because neurotransmitters um, are pain alleviating, they're pain killing. Um, whereas the kind of studies that, you know, have some question marks around red meat is that certain red meats have been associated with higher risks of endometriosis, but that could be down to the quality of the red meat and whether it was conventionally farmed rather than organically raised, what it was fed on, um, lots of different things, you know, did it have lots of hormones injected into it? And But, you know, having said that, red meat is higher in saturated fat and um, can cause further inflammation. So it's really about understanding the information out there and you will find period experts who are massive advocates for meat and then you will find period experts who aren't advocates of meat just like um Shannon Lepaski for example i'm in the middle um you guys know i don't eat meat because that's just my values um and when i started eating for endometriosis i was already not eating meat so when i read the studies um i was like well that's fine i don't need to change that um and this new study on the neurotransmitter health is recent i think it's from 2000 18. Um, and you can find that in Dr. Jessica Drummer's book. We might even talk about it in my interviews with her. If you scroll back a couple of episodes, I've got two interviews with Dr. Jessica Drummond. So yeah, so basically it's what you respond well to. Um, I have clients who had cut out me, they reintroduced me and then they got really bad period pain. Um, I have clients who cut out meat that didn't feel great or who added meat and didn't feel great or so many different scenarios so it's worth working out what works for you all of the literature that I have studied all of the experts that I've spoken to on the show so far unless they're kind of vegan um have advocated for low to moderate amounts of red meat and keeping all of our meat consumption organic and pasture-raised um, and fish to be wild-caught and uh, low-mercury fish, so small fatty fish. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of give you guys a bit more detail on that because um, it's really hard sometimes on an Instagram Live to stay on one topic for too long because you're kind of always aware about time and you're kind of just having a very fluid chat, so things move on quite quickly. Um, and after I got off the Instagram Live, I was like, oh, I wish I kind of had elaborated on that because I think some people would just be like, ah, what does that mean? Um, so, yes. So, basically, if you want to, like, learn more about that, 
read Dr. Jessica Drummond's book, read my my book, read Andrew Cook's book, Dr. Andrew Cook's book. Um, and Elisa Vitti's got a new book. I think it's Elisa Vitti. Maybe her name is Elisa Vitti. I don't know. Um, her new book, Into the Flow, she actually says no red meat for people with endometriosis in that, but it's a really brief statement and she has a link to a guide on endo in that. So I'm going to have, I'm going to check out um, as well and see what she says because I'm interested to see what she has to say. But it's an ongoing topic of debate and conversation and discussion with people with endo and experts as well, you know, and we're, we're still learning about meat and endometriosis. So, um, see what works for you and um yeah anyway I just wanted to kind of clear that up um I really hope you enjoy this episode if you'd like to buy Nicole's book the link to the book is in my show notes and if you buy the book I think maybe I get a percentage I actually don't know but I'm going to say that maybe I do just in case and the other thing is she's holding a free workshop on May the 7th um, I'm waiting to hear some more details about that, but, um, once I get them, I'm going to upload those details into the show notes. So just check back. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you have a lovely weekend and I hope you are staying safe. So yeah, your new book, Fix Your Period is out in the UK today and everywhere yeah. else, I assume, like now, yeah, I think so. one, like a couple of days ago. I haven't gotten a whole lot of information, <laughs> to be honest. It came out in the US and Canada on Tuesday, and now it's in the UK today, um, as well as Australia and uh, quite a few other countries. There are a few countries in the EU. Um, anywhere that has Amazon, you can definitely find it. Although in the UK, it's sold out on Amazon, which is kind of bananas. <gasps> Oh yeah. my gosh, congratulations. That's well, awesome. thanks, but I don't think it's totally me. <laughs> I actually was told by my publisher that there would be supply issues. So they had said that there's potential for supply problems and they'll try their best, you know, the usual. But um, yeah, like, I, I mean, I know that other booksellers in the UK have it. I don't know, what are the big booksellers in the UK? Do you know? Waterstones sure is the biggest. Yes. Waterstones is definitely the biggest. And then WH Smith is a really big one. Yes, um, okay. Yeah, and there's a new one online. What, I feel like it's called World Books, but that might not just be UK only, but I can get some of my books there. Okay. So. All right, well, I'll look into all of those then because everyone's asking me about Amazon. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> just order it yeah. and then, yeah, wait for it to be available. But I don't know what that, you know, it's like the virus has really changed production of books and things like that. So it's just, yeah, I had a, I had a feeling this might happen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, fingers crossed we can get hold of it. And Waterstones is yeah. like the Barnes and Noble of the UK. So they're right. definitely ones to go and check in with. So yeah, congratulations. Thanks. Um, I'm so excited to dive into it. Like I've been waiting for so long, like watching your stories, like hearing you, you know, write it and all of the work that you put in. So I can't wait to dive in. So tell us a journey. bit. Yeah. How long have you been writing it for? Like two Oh my years? God. I, yeah, I was just looking at your questions that you sent me because they're all so good. And I, you know, this has been, I got the book deal in April, in, sorry, in October of 2018. So it's been a really long process. Yeah. I really started to get into it in December of 2018. And I didn't, I mean, I was doing edits on the UK version like four weeks ago. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. I at know. the beginning of April, I finally got the cover you know, their, their version of the cover and the final, final edits. It was hilarious. We were like, okay, hopefully it gets out. So yeah, it's, it's the most unbelievable process. Oh my God. Yeah. I like really, you just don't know till you know, it's I kind of joke with my friends who've given birth. It's, you just, you can prepare all you want and you can do all the things, but it's the experience <laughs> and then you have it and you're yeah. like, holy cow, this is ridiculous. So yeah, it took a long time and much longer than I'd anticipated. And it's really interesting because, you know, for me, I wrote this, I feel like I wrote this as much for my 21 year old self who had no idea what was going on, making updates of her last period at her doctor's office as <laughs> I did for everyone else. <laughs> You know, everyone who has come to me over the years and has told me about what they're struggling with. And I really, you know, I just feel so strongly, as I know you do too, that 
we have to have this information. This, this is a woman's birthright as far as I'm concerned. This is information that we should have had a long time ago yeah. and not be in our 30s sort of feeling around in the dark trying to figure out, you know, how our bodies work or, you know, what, how a menstrual cycle works or how fertile mm -hmm. we are on certain days of our cycle. And all of these things that you and I know is sort of like periods 101 now, but most of us are just completely in the dark about yeah absolutely and so like for for people who are new to kind of learning about their periods or don't know like your work can tell us like what can they expect from the book like what do you guide us through what's the kind of format yes um i would love to so i'll show everyone again hopefully my video is better now yeah no, it's that? perfect now okay, yeah all right, so this is the US version, which, oh, you know what? I have the UK version. I'll go grab it in a second, but that's a paperback version. So it's interesting. I didn't know that that was gonna happen either. They, they did a paperback and then in the US it's a hardcover. Um, but you know, what, like I was saying is that I really, I wrote it for everyone who does not know <laughs> what the hell is going on mm -hmm. with their bodies and is really struggling and going to the doctor and not getting answers for the, you know, or solutions really, or sustainable solutions, say. Yeah. Because really, for most of us, you know, we have a pill that is just prescribed to us, whether it's, you know, the birth control pill or there, you know, you get an IUD or you get an implant in your arm or whatever. And a friend of mine said this to me the other day and I thought it was so good. She said, yeah, if you just, you just get a pill to shut your body up. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly it because your body is exactly, talking yeah. to you. Right. And yeah. so for me, I felt really strongly about starting with mapping your menstrual cycle. That's the first part of the book and uh -huh. sharing and sharing, you know, what um, periods 101. So what is a menstrual cycle? What is a period? I mean, some of us don't mm -hmm. even know that. And, yeah. you know, and then really walking everyone through what's normal, what's not, because that's one of the bigger questions I get too. And I bet you do as well is Nicole, I have periods that last 12 days long. Is this normal? Or I spot for 10 days before my period starts. Mm -hmm. Is that normal? Or I have like, horrible diarrhea as the, on the day I get my period. Is that normal? And you know, I'm like curled up in the bathroom floor because I can't move because I'm in so much pain. Is that normal? And so we are yeah. again, so clueless about what is normal and what's not for female bodies. And so that's really where, you know, I, I walk everyone through chapter one is like periods one and one, just get to know your flow. And then we go into the hormonal hierarchy. And I think this is another one that I, you know, I felt really strongly about trying to explain this to women. Um, yeah, because, exactly. you know, like when you think about your hormones, when you think about hormonal imbalance, what we think about is, you know, uh, puberty or, you know, PMS symptoms or raging hormones or, you know, heavy periods or whatever. We don't really equate hormonal imbalance to cortisol and insulin, which I consider to be up here in the hierarchy. Yeah. Those are the two that really screws over. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately for many of us, um, our society really perpetuates this myth that, you know, messed up cortisol and messed up insulin or, you know, blood sugar and insulin is totally normal, right? Because mm -hmm. we have trouble sleeping. Yep, that's totally normal because everybody has trouble sleeping or can't sleep through the night or can't get to sleep. Um, wakes up groggy, needs coffee to get through the day, needs sugar or wine to get through the evening. And all of these are, you know, totally okay in our society. And I'm not, there's no judgment, of course, but it's just that it's our coping mechanisms is what we do. And unfortunately, that to me is like the beginning of all the hormonal havoc that we deal with on, you know, for most of our lives. And if we yeah. can get those two hormones under control, um, by taking some action around that, then, you know, the trickle down effect on our sex hormones is going to be quite remarkable. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it's so like, you know, like you said, so many people don't kind of realize what's going on. And yeah. it's amazing, like, the clients that I see, we talk about blood sugar, and they're just, they've never heard of it. And I didn't hear about, you know, I never heard about it. And I was thinking about you the other day, I was like, you're gonna find this so funny. I started it took me ages i've been balancing my blood sugar for ages but i've not tested it because i'm like i don't like blood i faint around blood but I, was like, <laughs> no, I need to do it i need to do it so i started doing that at the weekend and i was following your fix your blood sugar protocol because i i use that and um and i think i had like the needle too like you know you can have you can change the depth of the needles 
and <laughs> my fingers are so bruised. Oh my They're god, so I do. Are too. Yes. I have it on one of the lightest ones, and same thing. It totally messes up my fingers. I cannot believe it. I need to take like a week to recover, and I don't want to freak people out. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's I. I did it wrong, guys. Like I, my the needle. I should have reduced it. So I did it wrong, but um, I think it's so important. And actually, I know that there's kind of some fear around, like wellness and getting kind of too anxious about certain things but what i found is that i was spending too much i was like trying to be like oh guessing like is that symptom a bit of blood sugar dysregulation like is this meal actually okay and i was like Do you know what i'm just gonna get over this blood thing and i'm just gonna test it and actually find out what the hell is going on and yeah. it's it's helped so much um and just brought me so much peace of mind so i actually think it's not for me, everyone's different, but for me, I actually think having that power, having that control, being yeah. able to get to know your body and what your body responds to as an individual is so important. And I, I was watching your interview with Jessica Drummond and I heard you say you take people through the book, How to Test Their Own Blood Sugar, which I think is awesome. Yes, I think it, I really do. You know, when we're thinking about, or when we're talking about taking back control and ownership of our health and well-being, and really becoming your own advocate, I just I like I could scream this from the rooftops. I could actually, yeah, I'm going to refrain from doing that right now. But I really, I really think that we have to. I mean, you know this more than anyone. When we're talking about something like endometriosis, for instance, like the fact that it takes as long as it does for women to get diagnosed. And in many cases, women don't even ever get a diagnosis because they mm -hmm. live in a country where there's just, there, those resources are just not available. The doctors yeah. do not have the right training, things of that nature. I mean, that's really prevalent in where I'm from. I'm from Antigua originally. And, you know, it's a small island in the Caribbean. We don't, nobody has this kind of information. They don't have that kind of training. There's no way you can have, even have surgery to remove endo. I mean, you, oh I, people I know travel to other countries. Yeah, they travel yeah. to the US. I mean, which costs them tens of thousands of dollars in a currency that's not even ours. So it's not even accessible. And so this is why I come back to the fact that it doesn't matter what you have, what condition you have, what hormonal imbalances you have going on, it is going to serve you so much in the long term. If you decide to say, screw it, I'm going to not be looking outside of myself for solutions right now. I'm actually going to focus. I'm going to turn inward and decide to you know, take ownership of my health and really take yeah. action. And blood sugar balancing and testing is one of those really cool biohacking tools that you can use for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really interesting, like bringing endo in the conversation, is that so many of the symptoms of hormonal imbalances and of just kind of maybe poor nutrition or dehydration or blood sugar dysregulation can often get lumped under the umbrella of endo symptoms. And then we, we're told there's nothing we can do about it, in, you know, by conventional medicine, like we're told there's nothing we can do about it. So we don't think to check, are we drinking enough water? Is that why I'm fatigued? Am I eating the wrong things? Is that why I have such terrible like energy levels? Like, is that why I'm sluggish in the morning? Like there's so many things that can be resolved or at least improved that we assume is totally down to endometriosis and that we're powerless to change. So I think that's why I love like your work and you know, the work of other people who do this, that it's just, there are so many symptoms that can actually be helped that aren't just down to endo, like they cross over. So, yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Someone just um, reached for her bottle of water. I thought that was cute. Yes, yeah. drink up girls. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, no, I just think it's so important. So you're addressing in this book things like um, blood sugar, like you said, good nutrition. Yeah. Are there any other, like, key pillars that you yes. cover? Yes, oh, my gosh. Book? Okay, so here, I'm going to just show everyone just so you guys can see. But basically, you can see here, I basically walk everyone through these six pillars, essentially. Awesome. So we're talking about nutrition. We're talking about um, blood sugar, of course. And like I was saying, and, and you know this, too, is that, um, we, you know, I'm walking you through how to test your blood sugar and what you should be looking for. And, you know, the numbers that I, you know, I think are ideal ranges. And of course, some of us, you know, might have type one diabetes and we, or type two even, and which, you know, I think is 
fully reversible for the most part. Um, so numbers might look a little bit different. So definitely don't panic, but you can get to, you know, I feel like for most of us, we can get within range type one diabetes, not necessarily, but you yeah. know, then we, ha I walk everyone through our gut health and you know what that looks like. Why does, why does our gut have such a profound effect on our hormonal health and our overall health in general? And mm -hmm. God, I mean, like when I was doing the research, it was incredible just seeing studies, study after study, not tons, but enough that I was like, okay, we should be talking about this. So many women who have amenorrhea who don't have a period at all have celiac disease. And it's because their, their gut literally does not have the capacity to absorb nutrients anymore because it is so damaged and uh, you know and we lose our periods because of the lack of the nutrients that we really need and yeah. it's just i mean it's unbelievable what we just don't know or what's even in the research and is still not really well known mm -hmm. so from there and got of course an endometriosis i mean girl where do we even begin <laughs> I know. <laughs> so much. yeah i know right there's so much so i walk everyone through that i talk a lot about the estrobilome, um, our gut bacteria, uh, our gut lining, the integrity of that, as well as just, you know, foods generally that inflame our guts. And, yeah. you know, that's where I walk everyone through an elimination diet because I just, I, that is the most, I mean, talk about a surefire way to figure out what's working for you and what's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not easy. I mean, I will no. definitely say that. It's no joke. I know. Elimination diets are like, ugh. but when you are fed up enough, of your BS symptoms, you're kind of just gonna be, you're gonna do what you need to do, I yeah. think. So yeah, so I walk everyone through that. And then we talk about the liver and your liver and your gut are so interconnected and everyone's like, what, what does my liver have to do with estrogen? And you know, it's like, nobody really knows this stuff. And it's so, I'm just so, ex I'm such a nerd. Oh my God. I'm so excited to just, to let people know how this all works. And mm -hmm. so when you think about your liver, just think about the fact that there are detox pathways and those detox pathways need raw material, certain nutrients to function properly or they'll break down. It's the same as infrastructure in our country. It's like you need, you need some yeah. money to pay for those things. So it's the same here in our bodies. And you know, if those, those detox pathways are kind of malfunctioning, they're not going to do the best job. And so you're going to have a situation where estrogen goes back out into your bloodstream from your liver, or it gets through into your gut where it's going to eventually be released, you know, through bowel movements, but <clears throat> then it gets to your gut, which isn't working great. And then you run into problems again. Yeah. So we really, you know, everything is so interconnected. And, and that's what I think is, is one of the bigger takeaways for a lot of us because of the fact that conventional medicine really makes us think that, you know, everything is sort of siloed, right? Our bodies yeah. just, they're not all connected, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. So yes, like, so that's a big thing too. And then week five, week five is stress. And then week six is the thyroid. And again, you know, those are all major players in just overall hormone balance. Like I was saying with cortisol earlier about it really wrecking your sex hormones and it, mm. it can do that over time, unbeknownst yeah. to us really. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in. So you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. So if you know you're due on, you might want to start wearing your period patch 24 hours beforehand, just so that your muscles begin to relax and you're less likely to have really bad cramps. To find out more about BU, you can just head to link in my show notes or go to www.buonline.co.uk. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis symptom tracker. If you kind of feel a bit overwhelmed by your pain and your symptoms and you really just don't know where to start with managing them, then tracking your symptoms over a couple of months or even just a month to see what your triggers might be could be really helpful. I've put together a free download that helps you track your pain, your mood, your brain fog, uh, your bloating, where you are in your cycle, your eating habits, your stress levels, so many different things um, in a really simple and effective way. If you'd like to try it out, um, obviously it's free, just head to the show notes, follow the link and you can get your own copy.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really interesting is how how many crossovers I see with people with endometriosis who also have like low thyroid hormones. I feel like we're getting a lot of questions, but I can't. I know there's so many. Time. We'll um, get there. Yeah, yeah. People, we might have to ask you to like send them in again, like as we get further on. Um, so yeah, I just you know having like thyroid problems and like just like insulin problems and cortisol dysregulation being really wide at night but then like having no energy during the day they all kind of there are so many that overlap rather yeah. than just being endometriosis on its own so um i totally think that this book is going to be so helpful for people so like clearly there's pillars like there are pillars to good hormonal health but yeah. why do you feel that there isn't like a one diet one size fits all kind of approach. Yes, you know, this is this is something I really struggled with. So chapter four, week one is all the food stuff. I'm literally looking at this to make sure I'm saying this right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should know this table of contents by now. But yeah, you know, it's I I really, you know, over the years, so I've been doing this now for about 10 years and just for myself as well, just trying to figure out like what diet actually works and whatnot. And I've always found like a a paleo-ish type diet seems to work for me and really seems to work well for a lot of my clients. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, using, um, you know, having protein, having fat and having, you know, the majority of what you're eating is, is veggies for the yes. most part. And, you know, car carbohydrates in the form of vegetables, especially those leafy greens and the cruciferous veggies. And, um, you know, that seems to be what works, generally speaking. Uh, you know, some people can go on a keto diet and they can get their period back and then others can go on a vegan diet and they can lose their periods. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. and keto diets can cause periods to disappear too. So I think that it really does require some experimentation. Again, this is the looking outside of ourselves for the solutions or the answers when really what we need to do is just try to play around with what we're eating and see how we feel. Ultimately, you know, and that, that leads us into blood sugar, of course. So are you starving 30 to 45 minutes after you eat? If you are, that means your blood sugar did not get stabilized with that particular meal. It's, it's yeah. gone, it's either, it's crashing and you need to bring it back up and you need to eat more food. Um, or are you just ready to fall asleep after you've eaten? Um, do you have, do you have energy after you've had a meal? So all of these are really important sort of parameters to pay attention to when you're, when you're eating. And so with a diet, the diet side of things, I hate the word diet. Yeah. It's just like brings up memories of slim fast and stuff back in the nineties. Um, yeah. But you know, my mom was always on a slim fast diet. So I, I think I have some PTSD from that, but you know, I will say that you know, when I was researching, what I found were some really interesting studies. And I, I quoted one of them in the book. It was a study done on 800 people and they were all fed the same meal, but their blood sugar levels were all quite different after that mm -hmm. meal. So they really fluctuated. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, I wanted to quote so many more, but you know how it is. And yeah. so what they did is that they personalized the meals for people uh, you know, in the second part of the study, and it really, really helped stabilize blood sugar for them. So that to me was a perfect example of the fact that we 100% have to find what works for us. And, you know, I get a lot of flack from vegans and plant-based people. And because I advocate for, you know, organic pasture-raised, sustainably raised meat. And I mm -hmm. just want to say that you know, I don't advocate for any specific diet. I advocate for mm. your diet. And it's really up to you to figure out how you feel based on what you're eating. Um, so with that one size fits all, like I said, I have definitely had clients who are on a plant-based diet and they feel amazing and that really yeah. works for them. And then for others, they're on more of a paleo type diet or even a keto diet and that really works for them too. So, you know, I feel like women should be trusted to make these decisions for themselves. Like we really can, yeah, yeah. we're grown ups, guys. <laughs> we can do this, I promise. And it, you know, it does take some, some finagling and some experimentation in some cases, especially if you have endometriosis or you have, uh, you know, PCOS or something. And even Jessica Drummond's book, um, her latest book on endometriosis, yeah. Uh, you know, it's so great. And she talks about the research about red meat. And mm -hmm. I know that's contentious with endo. And again, like, I think it really depends on 
what is happening with your gut? What is the state of it? Have you had major gut issues for a long period of time in your life? And if you have, then yeah, maybe red meat might not work that well for you. Maybe you have to work on your stomach acid and you have to work on the integrity of your gut lining and your microbiome. Um, and then you might eat it and you might feel great. So, you know, she was saying though in the research that there has, you know, there has been research showing that red meat is not the greatest for endo. And then on the flip side of that, she's found other research that shows otherwise. So, you know, we can quote all the studies we want. Yeah. And I had someone throwing a study at me the other day, all the studies about, you know, meat being terrible. And at the same time, I was just like, but you can say all of that, except that when a woman starts to feel better based on what she's eating, no matter what that is, can we not trust that? Because that to me yeah. is the most important aspect of all of this. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And I think that also helps with some of the confusion. Like I get a lot of people say like, oh, but this expert says this and this expert says that. And I'm like, you know what? I get it because as a community qualified like endo health coach, I'm looking to experts too. And I'm like, yeah. this world leading expert says one thing and this one, you know, um, says the other. But at the same time, there are different schools of thoughts about within science and yeah. nutrition and some people like strongly advocate for one thing and some people strongly advocate for another what i say you know is like try something and see how you feel yep. because that that leading expert isn't you they don't know how your body is feeling exactly i could so, not agree anymore yes exactly it's time to go inwards ladies yes. yeah and really tune into how you feel and i i talked through that a lot especially in the blood sugar chapter where I'm saying, okay, this is what balanced blood sugar looks like and feels like. This is what unbalanced blood sugar looks like and feel like. And this is what insulin resistance actually looks and feels like. So you really have um, a, a pretty clear picture of what you're looking for. And like I said, this was, for me was, I was like, okay, 400 pages of menstruation education. It is literally just trying to give you all the tools you can use to try and figure out, you know, what to do next. Yeah, uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't wait to get my copy. I've got like oh, no. a copy, but I'm did to you get a net galley copy, by the way, from the publisher? Yeah, yeah. You I've been sent okay, it. Okay. I just, right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the, yeah, hard no, the actual physical thing is. Yeah, and I'm trying to stay away from blue light a bit more. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, hard. I know it's really, yeah. really hard. <laughs> yeah, I need to get some glasses, but I haven't gotten yet. Like blue light blocking and the red ones. Um, so the other question that I wanted to ask is, I think it's really tempting and I'm noticing it actually quite a lot recently of people saying, um, can I take this, um, protein powder that's got like maca in it or, um, can I take this thing and it's going to, or like my friends will literally message me and I'll talk them through like blood sugar and this and that. And they're like, I'm, I'm just going to take this supplement that I've heard about. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> so like, I was, you know, why can't you just like patch the hole up in your hormones? <laughs> like, do you know what, you know, like, why doesn't that work? The million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like it's so funny because we, you know, that's our, first of all, I will say the cultural narrative is right. That you can take a pill and things will improve. Yes. And right. I mean, when you think about the birth control pill, like oh my fertility i can just turn that thing off with a mm. pill that's awesome i don't have to track basal body temperature and cervical fluids like nicole come on you know i've heard that before yeah and, yeah. and i really really get it i do it i always kind of joke with my accountant that when he's explaining accounting to me i usually am thinking oh my god this is exactly how the women who i'm talking to about tracking their cycles i'm sure because yes. <laughs> it's like really you really want me to pay attention to all this stuff and then i have to know when i'm actually fertile come on but truly this information it's a game changer i mean when you have that you know the the whole like taking a pill thing is you know it's very much part of our culture that this is what you're doing to, you know, this is what you're going to do to deal with whatever X, Y, Z, whether it's your fertility or high blood pressure or whatever it is. And so with that said, um, you know, what I would say is that you can't out supplement a, a shitty diet. You yeah. just can't do that. And you can't, um, you know, you can, it'll help for sure. No doubt about that in many cases, but ultimately you need the nutrient, you need the nutrients you need. And when you're yeah. thinking about, um, gut health, for instance, 
you it's very difficult to replenish your you know that healthy or, or healthy microbiome or healthy bacteria or strains of bacteria with um a whole bunch of bread and then like making sure that you're taking your multivitamin and your b complex mm. and stuff it just doesn't really work and so it does you know i think it just it does require um a nuanced approach it does require effort on our parts but I feel like we have to change the narrative for us that we are worth it, that our bodies are worth it, that our lives are worth it. Because women traditionally, they put everyone else ahead of themselves for the most yeah. part. We don't really take care of ourselves. We're the last ones to put our oxygen masks on. And you know, that's just part of our, I feel like that's part of our genetics. I mean, it's just what we do. And <laughs> at the same time, we have to start to think about how we wear that as a badge of honor and mm -hmm. how, how that's serving us because you definitely cannot pour from an empty cup and it's you're not able to show up for your family for your kids yeah, absolutely your partner yeah. from a place of of emptiness and depletion yeah and if it, and really if i think about my mom like she's like that classic like work herself to the ground but like be like you know bitch in the whole way she's doing it and like you know <laughs> yes. look how hard i'm working for you guys and it's like that doesn't make it like I would rather her take that time out. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like when I was younger, I would rather her take that time out to look after herself and then, you know, be a bit more nice <laughs> to be around, you know, because you can't enjoy your life and you can't enjoy the, your family and you can't enjoy your friends when you're feeling so depleted. So yeah, I'm just gonna, like my color really has gone really weird. Oh, I know what's happened. My, yes. um, because of the time, it's switched to like oh. a nice tone. <laughs> night, yeah, the night, like, the night mode. Yeah, I know. That's exactly so, what's going on. Um, with like these, you know, the period problems that we mentioned, there was two questions that really came to mind, um, given the current time that we're in. One of them is a lot of people are experiencing like delayed periods or like a missing yes. period right now, or people with endometriosis are having more painful periods. My aunt has just joined and is cracking up because I'm bitching about my mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Hi Sam. That's Thanks hilarious. Mom. Um, we love them, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like people are missing their periods, people with endo are having worse, more painful periods or missing their periods. Obviously there's a lot going on with COVID-19 at the moment. How has stress impacted that. Okay, she agrees with me. Yes. <laughs> you gotta love your sisters. They always are honest with you. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, this is, this is unbelievable. I, it's, you know, it's so completely unprecedented what is happening to yeah. us on a worldwide wide level right now. And the amount of stories, I mean, it's probably in the hundreds at this point of women who have told me that their period is so late that they're taking multiple pregnancy tests or their period is so heavy or so yeah. long or it you know they ovulated really late in their cycle and you know or they didn't ovulate at all and they missed a period completely or their pms has been so next level that they are ready to just like get a divorce whatever you know it's like <laughs> i know it's bad but it really is so real for so many of us and my PMS was out of control this month. I was full transparency. I was, I felt like rageful. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and a lot of this was the lead up to this book coming out. And, you know, I do not recommend writing a book, guys. It is ridiculous, <laughs> or at least the way I did it. But the point is, is that when you're, you know, when you feel the amount of stress you feel and, and what we were talking about just a little while ago about women just giving their all, all day, every day, yeah. that leads to such a severe depletion that in that second half of your cycle, I just feel like it is, it's so hard to even see the forest through the trees at that point because everything that is going wrong in life is so magnified at that time in your cycle. Mm -hmm. It's just this it's just very, I feel like the, like what Dr. Christiane Northup says, I mentioned this in the book too, the veil is lifted and you suddenly yes. see the things that are not great or not working. And that could be relationships. It could be work. It could be anything. And 
for you know for many of us we we just we react to it we react really strongly i joke that progesterone is like truth serum it's ridiculous and so that's really what happens to all of us and i you know it but it's so heightened now because there are a lot of things wrong and there are people who are literally don't even know how to i mean at least in the us we have food bank lines that are miles long we you know people do not have food to feed their families it's it's bad here but we won't get political <laughs> anyway the point is is that you know we are i think collectively there is there's so much grief there's so much trauma this is bringing up so many mental health issues and it's you know it's very triggering for so many of us mm -hmm. and your menstrual cycle i i talk about this a lot is the canary in the coal mine it's essentially telling you that something is not okay and usually it's in response to external physio or psychological stressors and so that's you know our our menstrual cycles are just responding to this collective stress that we're all under yeah and in terms of because i you know i know that you talk about cortisol and insulin a lot yeah. with the with our cortisol levels rising with like COVID 19 that can actually impact on our ovulation and the presence of a period right so definitely yes so we don't realize i mean it's amazing like i i laid this all out <laughs> in the stress chapter because i really want us to understand how this works but if you think about external psychological stressors you know whatever that is it could just be slamming on your brakes in traffic and that you know scares the, the heck out of us yeah, yeah. and you know and that's a, a that basically tells your hypothalamus or your hypothalamus picks that up and it you know it, it registers that as a stressor or a stressful event and so with your hypothalamus it's sort of i call it hormonal headquarters because it's really just scanning your body and it's scanning your external environment for stressors and so what will happen is when you're stressed perpetually, your high levels of cortisol that are coursing through your veins to just help you get through life is they're actually saying to your hypothalamus, you know what, we shouldn't make too much gonadotropin releasing hormone, which or GNRH, which is the hormone that tells your pituitary to send hormones to your ovaries to get an egg ready for ovulation to kick off the beginning of your menstrual cycle, really. And so what then happens is your hypothalamus is kind of hijacked. Your pituitary is actually kind of hijacked because cortisol does the same thing to FSH and LH that go to your ovaries to tell them to do their thing. Um, so we have GNRH, we have FSH and LH that are compromised. And interestingly, cortisol actually has an effect on your ovarian function as well. So literally every step of yeah. the way between your brain and your ovaries, cortisol is like, mm, no, it's not safe to ovulate. It's not safe to have a baby. And you know, when you think about ovulation and just the menstrual cycle in general, this is not a, you know, a life or death process in the body. It is not needed. So when the body is under this kind of stress for long periods of time, and sometimes unbeknownst to us, we don't even know because it's just so normal, that you know, we basically end up in a situation where um, this just gets shut down. It's a, I, I joked with Jessica yesterday. I mean, this is a dumb joke, but it was a, it's a non-essential, right? It's a non-essential. Yes. <laughs> in the body and so to conserve energy your body's going to say okay we're going to just shut this thing down for right now and we'll come back online when it's safe to do that yeah. and that's just hundreds of thousands of years of evolution on a female body's part that it wasn't safe in danger to to get pregnant so we wouldn't so it's an amazing to me it's an amazing feat of our bodies mm. that they can do that and yet it's in the modern world it's like it's viewed as my body is broken and not working right yeah, that's so yeah. true. And really, it's a warning. It's it's showing us that we need to take better care of ourselves, take some time to slow down, like, work, look at what nutrients we're missing. And yeah, um, we've got a question coming. Yes, I know. There's so many good questions. <laughs> Let's I, know, everyone, I feel like we need to do a follow up. Okay, so I'm in the middle of my menopause, taking HRT, have colitis flare up on and off and pre-diabetic. Could blood sugar be impacting on my menopause? Oh, yes. Oh, girl. Yes, definitely. And you know, it's so funny because a lot of women have asked me, is this book okay for me? I'm 50. Yes, definitely. I feel like these are the pillars that we all should have been you know, exposed to or taught from the time we were a teenager. And so blood sugar, I think is critical for this. You're gonna find when you get your blood sugar stabilized that it's going to feel, you're going to feel so, so much better. Mm -hmm. I feel like with the colitis flare ups too, 
when you think about ongoing blood sugar dysregulation, think inflammation. And because you're eating foods that first of all are causing blood sugar problems. And secondly, they're likely foods that you might be sensitive to or are just triggering inflammation in some other way. And as a result, you just, you have the chronic blood sugar issues, you have this inflammation and you have, you know, these colitis flare ups. So I would certainly um, work on that based on you know, the protocol that's in the book. It will be really helpful. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple more questions and we can keep an eye and see if anyone else comes through. Okay. So yeah. I wanted to ask you, what do you typically see in terms of like clients or just women that you speak to who, or people who have endometriosis that you speak to, do you ever notice particular hormonal imbalances with them? Because I do, but I would love to hear what your, your thoughts are. I do. I do. Um, you know, I consider endometriosis, this is obviously my own opinion, <laughs> but I consider it to be, you know, very much tied to inflammation. And I think that, you know, I feel like that's pretty much well corroborated at this point, yeah. but I, I do, you know, I'm careful. <laughs> I'm careful with endo, but I just, I think that for endometriosis, what I see a lot of, you know, I've seen this on Dutch tests and just regular hormone tests in general is a high elevated estrogen, yeah. um, lower progesterone. Oftentimes there are anovulatory cycles happening or I, uh, you know, late ovulation or not an, like a, an efficient ovulation where that corpus luteum, that follicle where that egg came out of is healthy. So it's, it's just not producing the progesterone that it really that we need to feel yeah. good in that second half of our cycle. And then I also um, I always see messed up blood sugar and insulin problems. I almost always see totally dysregulated cortisol. Yes. Um, so these are the ones and I'm like, of course, I mean, but that's the case for most of us. I don't think I've ever seen normal cortisol on a test ever for anyone really? in the history Jeez. of yeah, of my work. Wow. Have you? Because I, not, you know, like, yeah. sort of, but not, well, for the most part, everyone is off. Even if it's just a little bit, they're off. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, can I get that question? Is it going to come back? Okay. Yeah. You can scroll. Cool. I'm scrolling if you want to scroll. Oh, up. brilliant. Oh, yeah. You can scroll. Hair I know. Hair loss. I'm, I've tried basics and normal things, but nothing helps. I'm 35. My hair isn't getting worse. It's the same. Yes. I'm getting an excision surgery soon. Okay. So the excision surgery, of course, is you know highly recommended, um, but you have to look at the the environmental impacts. You have to look at all the stuff that's causing that would be causing the hair loss because the the endometriosis lesions are not causing your hair loss. It's the underlying hormonal dysregulation and the potential inflammation that is potentially triggering the hair loss. So when I think about elevated estrogen, for instance, that can actually downregulate how your thyroid functions. So this is the problem, right? Is that it's all connected. And so if you think about if you, you know, you have endometriosis, you're struggling with hair loss, I would want to look at what's going on with your thyroid. So yeah. I would, you know, that would be part of it. And then the other part, of course, would be looking at your nutri nutrient status, what's happening with your gut. Are you even absorbing the nutrients that are going to support the hair on your head? Um, is there a lot of stress? I imagine there is, because when we think about internal and external stress, I mean, yeah, I described the external stuff, but if you're in pain, the way women who have endometriosis are in pain every single month, I mean, that is an unbelievable stressor for us. Yes. It's yeah. ridiculous. And so I, you know, I, my, I really, I can relate. I mean, I, I really went through it and I've never received an endo diagnosis, but I changed my diet many, many years ago to try and figure this stuff out and it drastically improved. But if you're, you know, debilitated for days at a time, and then you have also the ex or the anticipation of that pain leading up to it every mm -hmm. single month or yeah. every single cycle, that's that's hardcore. And I think that you know that kind of stress can really cause hair loss. So you know, I look to all of the the minerals, of course, those all support your thyroid as well. So we're talking about zinc and selenium and magnesium. Um, those are some key ones. Um, so as well as iodine, of course, iodine is a huge one for your thyroid, but then those are also supportive of your hair follicles and hair growth. So it's all connected. And that's where I think that, you know, and then also to B vitamins as well. So B vitamins tend to, some of them at least tend to be depleted by, you know, high levels of cortisol, but B vitamins also support hair growth, hair follicle strength, all of that. So if there is hair loss, it is likely connected to the endometriosis, but it, in a bit of an, sorry. My bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, it was telling me. Okay. okay. It's okay. It's just my. Oh, mind. yes. Okay, perfect. Um, there was something I was going to say about that as well. Oh, so, yeah. and like low ferritin, like low iron, would you say like keep an eye on that as well with hair loss? Yes. Thank you for saying that. I was like, there's another one. <laughs> yes, low ferritin, low iron is, is also huge as well. I mean, interesting. I, interestingly, iron supports uh, the follicle that your egg comes from and that would produce progesterone. So that's another component of it as well, too. For low in iron, um, we have ferritin problems. That's definitely going to cause hair issues or hair growth or hair loss issues and potentially impact your ovarian function that would yeah. produce progesterone. So and progesterone, I think, is more important for women who have endometriosis than pretty much anyone else because of the fact that, you know, there is progesterone uh, resistance that is potentially involved with endometriosis. I feel like the studies and the research is still coming out on that or becoming, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure you have thoughts on that, but I, I feel like that's another component too. Yeah, for sure. And also, with when people go to the doctors to get like their thyroid levels tested, um do you have any guidance on that because the problem is is that like conventional medicine their measurements of thyroid are kind of outdated and i've got a client at the moment who every time i asked her i was like are you sure your thyroid is, is okay like her doctor was like yeah it's fine and then i saw the labs and i was like no <laughs> they're not okay uh. so yeah if you could quick like yeah if you've got time if you can take us a quick through that like what should people look yeah. for in terms of their thyroid at the at the doctors because it's so important for women it's so important i completely agree um yeah so i so i i was just flipping to the page because i i wanted to to mention this um in so in week six of the program i'm talking all about the thyroid and i talk about subclinical hypothyroidism as a, being a condition that's really not well recognized in the conventional medical realm and you know and i was a little nervous to talk about it because there you know there is a lot of pushback from conventional medicine in and you know nothing against them like i get it they're you know they're focused on their way of doing things we have our way of doing things i feel like we can coexist but with subclinical hypothyroidism it's not generally recognized so for many of us we go to the doctor we do this thyroid testing we often do not do a full thyroid panel, which you well know is really what we need to do to get a picture of what's happening with our thyroids. And instead, we might just test TSH or we might just test TSH and T4, sometimes not even free T4, which is what's actually available in the body. So we end up in a situation where we feel terrible. We leave the doctors with normal test results, normal, and we end up in a situation where we're like, okay, what's next? And we give up. And it is it is so demoralizing and it feels like you're kind of gaslighted because they're telling you one thing, you're definitely feeling a whole other thing. Yeah. And so you're in, yeah, right? And so you're in this alternate reality. I remember plenty times when I was younger feeling like, okay, what do I do now? Because what they're, these are people are the experts and they're telling me that I'm fine or we'll just wait and see what happens. And, but I don't feel fine, so what do I do? Mm -hmm. And feeling that is so, like I said, so demoralizing, it's so disempowering. Um, and so that's why, you know, I laid out optimal thyroid test ranges in the book. And I, you know, I shared about subclinical hypothyroidism as, you know, being, feeling these symptoms, but showing up as, you know, normal on their test results because their test ranges are a little bit different to our test ranges. So yeah. the functional or optimal test ranges are, are narrower so you don't really fall outside of those windows if you're having yeah. symptoms for the most part the argument is that there's over diagnosis of conditions but i'm like right. well they're really i mean there can be but if you're having symptoms then you got to figure it out one way or another yeah so with that said yeah like i so i laid that out i'll show everyone i laid out optimal thyroid numbers in the book and then oh, i talked amazing yeah. I know, I figure, I mean, I might as well have a resource, right? So yeah, yeah. No, that's and I got, you know, I got permission from Chris Cresser because I did his training with the Cresser Institute to use these numbers because this is where they came from. And his research has been showing for a well over a decade now that 
these are the numbers that we should really be looking at. And so for everyone, you guys have a resource now, you know that, that you can go here and you can find the numbers. If you do the testing, make sure that you're testing TSH and free T4, free T3. You're also testing um, the antibodies, so TPO and TGAB as well. So you can determine whether you potentially have um, an, like a, an autoimmune thyroid condition. So yeah, like I, I really think it's so huge. And when you think about your thyroid, that's another one as well from stress. It, it will, you know, it'll start to go into conservation mode and reverse T3 will go up and you'll start to feel thyroid symptoms. And oftentimes that comes back to stressors in our lives. So, you know, and again, if we don't have thyroid hormone, everyone should know that we have thyroid receptors on every cell in our body, thyroid hormone receptors in every cell. Oh, I didn't know so if that. we, oh. yeah. It's incredible. And so if we have thyroid problems, we're going to feel terrible, um, yeah. generally speaking. And it makes sense why. And what's amazing is that you need thyroid hormone for your ovaries to work properly. <laughs> so we have to, you know, we have to take care of our thyroids. And that's why, you know, like what you said about iron and then what I was saying about all the minerals, this is so crucial. And how do we get that? We, we just try to start with changing our diets. We just start to bring more nutrient dense foods into our diets. And that can be almost that can be a game changer for some of us absolutely and all of that all of that new kind of nutrition part is in in the book right in the it is book. yeah it is yeah. so should we look at a couple right. do you have time for these questions i have like i have like five minutes because i have another live oh my gosh Carrie so Jones, sorry. Actually. yeah no 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 it's totally fine it's all good um yeah so i'm talking to carrie at 11 30 my time so um, if anyone wants to come over there, you can come ask questions there. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that you appreciate this. Increasing ferritin. Um, yeah, I mean, animal protein, I do find really, really helps with this scenario. If we are low in iron, um, or in, in ferritin or ferritin's low. So think of ferritin as sort of the car that drives the iron around in your body. So it's transporting it. So it's, you know, it's really important that first of all, we have proper iron stores. Um, so yes, I, I feel like protein really, animal protein helps with that. I don't know what you think about that, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's really been my experience. Yeah, no, I, you know, I agree. And I think that it, it goes back to what people are comfortable with. I don't eat meat, yeah. so I would obviously, oh, right. you know, yes. yeah, but I forgot. I, yeah, no, but I have no problem. Like, you know, like I have no, anyone can work with me whether they eat meat or not um yeah. it's not it's, it's a values thing that's literally it and i'm yeah. but in terms of you know it's it's really tricky because over here with the nhs their yeah. um their kind of guidance for supplements are like you can't have more than 17 milligrams of iron in a supplement and if you're really low on iron and you're supplementing with iron it's just not going to be it's probably not going to be enough to get you up or you're going to have to do that for a really long time. So I think it can get, right. yeah, quite, quite complicated. Um, with so interesting. To, yeah. Yeah. So the guy, cause of like the, the health risks of supplementing with iron and yeah, I guess it's just they're leaning more onto the side of caution. So if people go to the NHS page and they look at like low ferritin or low iron, they'll see that they can't have more than 17 milligrams. And so it's a bit, is there a prescription iron medications that people or supplements that people can take if they're really low? Yeah, if they go to GP, but I think the I think some of the problem is that like it kind of is similar to like the like your thyroid. It's like they don't consider like you might be feeling like crap, but they're like, oh, it's not really low enough for right. like you know. So yeah, yeah so it's really oh interesting. My gosh. I mean, the other thing with ferritin too, I should say, is that inflammation. I mean, if you're inflamed, mm -hmm. it's going to push your ferritin down. So, you know, for the person who is asking, um, if there is inflammation and, you know, inflammation shows up in so many ways, it could be your gut, you have gut issues, you have, you don't feel great um, after you eat, um, you have stomach pain, uh, it can show up as joint pain, it can show up, yeah. you know, hair loss even, it can show up as acne on your skin or other skin issues. So there are multiple ways it shows up. It just depends on our genetics and what our genetic weak link is. So yeah, I would say just starting with the foundation and, and working your way up. Um, yeah, like no matter what it is you're eating, just making sure that you're checking in with yourself, I think is like the best place to start. Yeah, and one more thing that's worth saying about ferritin is 
if anyone has like chronic low ferritin and there's no kind of other cause, you can't work out another cause, it could be, and, and you get really bad bloating, like distension in the stomach, it could be a sign of SIBO because SIBO causes chronic low ferritin and chronic B12 and um, low B12, not chronic B12. And, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know, there's a um, high correlation between endometriosis and SIBO. So if you do have low ferritin, you can't work out why, and you're taking all the supplements and you're eating all the meat and it's not going up, then yeah, start to question whether this ain't going on with SIBO. Um, so yeah. So, so good. Do you need to like jump off? Like I do, now? unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. No? I have this in five minutes now. Um, yeah. I know this was so good. Although I think that Instagram might cut you off too at this point. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> This was so great. Oh yeah, I'll share this with everyone again. She's just asking what the name of the book is. So it's Fix Your Period. Um, I wish I'd gotten the UK version for this. Um, it's in the other room, but yeah, it's Fix Your Period. And it it's not currently on Amazon right now. It seems to be sold out, which is really annoying. But I know you were just saying there are other really great um, booksellers in the UK that I think everyone should check. So W.H. Yeah. Smith. Check Waterstones, yeah. check WH Smith, um, check, I think it's called worldbooks.com online. So it will definitely be in Waterstones and WH Smith for sure. Okay, amazing. So, thank you so much. And to people who um, have got other questions, maybe like DM them to me and uh, answer them in a podcast, or maybe Nicole and I can do something in the future. So I would love to um, do another one of these. This was yeah. so good. You guys yeah, ask so amazing fun. questions. Yeah. Everyone, thank you great so much. Thank you oh, so much for coming you. on, and it's just congratulations so again. You've been like working so hard on this, and I just can't wait to read it. I cannot wait for you to have it. Thank you again thank so you. so much. This was amazing. Thank you everyone for your questions, and if you guys have questions, we can do this again. I'm happy to. Maybe next yeah, week. No, that'd be awesome. Okay, perfect. Thank Thanks, you. Love. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.